Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast, Gavin Shaw and Alex Wolf. A new career high for Emmanuel quickly, and the Knicks get off the schneid with a big win. We'll tell you how it happened right now on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. We want to remind you today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. With promo code locked on, that's prizepicks.com, promo code locked on. And we wanted to thank you for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today. And every day, because we are now available on all platforms, and that includes on YouTube and uh, your your audio uh, platform of choice. But if you're watching on YouTube, uh, don't forget to hit the notifications bell so you never miss an episode. And don't forget to subscribe. But who's talking to you? I'm Gavin Shaw, your favorite play by play broadcaster's favorite play by play broadcaster. He is Alex Wolf, editor in chief of the Strickland, the greatest Knicks website. In the whole wide world, and it's a good time to be writing about the Knicks because they're no longer on a losing streak. And uh, I think what Mike Breen correctly termed as close to a must-win game without it literally being a must-win game for the Knicks is possible. Uh, they they dominate the second half, Alex, 137-115 to 115 over the Houston Rockets. And uh, Emmanuel, I, I, I wish I knew his middle name and had uh, taken the time to look it up before this, but Emmanuel, Jaylen. Emmanuel Jaylen. Jaylen quickly. Drops 40 points and nine <laughs> rebounds, um, as we're about to tell you, um, much like his game against the Celtics, that I think something like it was like two or three players in NBA history replicated his stat line across the board. This was, a, this was a pretty rare game from IQ on a number of fronts. Yeah, we got a couple uh, couple nice little little tweets here that sort of illustrate it. Uh, I guess I'll first just give the, the base box score number on what quickly ended with. So he in... 30 minutes. So bear in mind, this is it almost half the time of his Boston uh, performance in which he he set his career high at that particular time. Uh, he scores 40 points, is a uh, plus 18 for the team, and shoots 14 of 18, which is good for about 78%, 5 of 7 from 3, and 7 of 9 from the free throw line also has 9 assists and a couple boards and a steal and a block and but one mere turnover and that is pretty impressive Gavin uh, I've got a couple quick if you're on YouTube we'll show these tweets but otherwise we'll just read them to you over the pod form uh so from the Strickland aka the Quickland right now Emmanuel quickly joins Damian Lillard, Devin Booker, LeBron James, Luka Doncic, and Nicole Jokic as the only players to have games with 40-plus points, 9-plus assists, and one or less turnovers this season. That's from Stathead. And then another one from NBA New York, uh, New York basketball. Players in NBA history to score 40-plus points and dish 9-plus assists while shooting over 77% in a game. Will Chamberlain, Oscar Robertson, Artis Gilmore, Tiny Archibald, Larry Bird, Gail Goodrich, Magic Johnson, Terry Porter, and Emmanuel Quickly. So pretty good company all around there, Gavin. Uh, and honestly, just a virtuoso performance from Quick. Like really just one of those games where it just underscores the point of if the shots are falling, 
he cannot lose. Like, I mean, and the shots were falling like right away. And he was giving his all on, on every, like every aspect of the game and just every single bit of it was working out perfectly for him. It just felt like almost like serendipitous, like the way that this game worked out for him, where it seemed like no matter what shot he was taking, there was no missing. He took a three, made it, which sometimes can be sort of a, a thing for him. He gets in the lane and like, sometimes he can't get the floater going floater was going. He's, you know, he starts things off with like a mid range jumper uh, earlier on in the game, which has become something that he's starting to rely on more uh, and, and, you know, utilizes part of his bag more. And then on defense, like, impacting the game that way like at one point uh had like a really nice like help strip steal of shangun and uh you know that led to a transition opportunity and just doing what he usually does on that side of the court again <laughs> kind of ironic that he's probably especially because of malcolm brogdon's injury status at the moment probably the leader for the sixth man of the year award uh, puts in his second best perform. Well, no, not his second best anymore. This is this is his first best performance period uh, of the season. Uh, it, even if it didn't have the endurance element of the the Celtics game, but puts forward his his best performance of the season in a start. Go figure. But still, just an amazing star like performance for Emmanuel quickly. Yeah, and that Celtics game uh, came in a start as well. And I, I would push back on that. I would say that was his best game, just given the stakes, given the, the clutch shots, the defense. But this was, uh, in terms of raw numbers, to your point, I mean, it's just far and away the most efficient performance of his career. Like you, that, that you cannot argue. Um, but despite that, Alex, the Rockets' defense almost ruined my enjoyment of it. Because in the first half, I couldn't I, – I was just kind of like sitting there dumbfounded looking at my TV being like, why are they – why are they still giving him open threes? Like, no, stop doing that. Go, go try to guard him. Come on, make it tough. And it just, it was like practice for him. It was like, yeah, I could, I could go on the AI rant now. It was practice. It was practice. It was target practice for Emmanuel quickly. His open three after open three though. Though to your point, there was still, I, I don't want to, I don't want to take anything away from him. This was a really good performance. And, and I love that um, on a night when Jalen Brunson was out, the Knicks coming off a three game losing streak, obviously, IQ sort of in the news a little bit for like, not, not for anything he did, but for getting screamed at by Julius Randle. Um, he just comes out after opening tip and, um, and to your point hits a mid range jumper. And it's just, just him being aggressive right out of the gate. Like last year, his rookie year, I don't think we would have gotten that first shot of the game. If he was starting, he would have uh, coalesced to um, that's not the right word. He would have, he would have just um, acquiesced. Acquiesced. There we go. <laughs> um, yeah. He, he, he was, it was a sin that he was coalescing. He would, he would have acquiesced to, <laughs> to someone else and um instead he just he went out and he got his own shot um and then also to your point on defense he pinned he pinned his shot from usman garuba who's like 610 um on the backboard that was absolutely sick um but i think his his opening quarter of play and really his first quarter and a half where he was scalding hot was really buoyed by a lot of guys in the knicks who don't always make the extra pass make the extra pass like one of his first threes came when RJ spun into the lane, draw two defenders, found Grimes in the corner, and then Grimes made the extra pass to IQ out for three. Then you could fast forward to the fourth quarter um, where, where him and Randall had this great exchange where he threw out to Randall. Randall was wide open from three. Whatever reason, didn't really feel like taking it. Pump fake, got into the lane, reset to Emmanuel quickly, who was even more wide open for three, and hit the three. Um, so it was a lot of easy plays. But then also just, I mean, the point guard elements of this game for him, like had that, had that hook pass to RJ Barrett for three, had a blow by um, where he de- where he then like faked as if he was going to throw a bounce pass. And Shangun was looking at his shoes when he lobbed it over his head to Mitch for a one-handed dunk. That was absolutely sick. Um, ended the first half with a turnaround fade 
uh, to beat the buzzer. And, and then in the second half, um, he, just, he just kept getting to the rim like over and over again, whether he was drawing fouls, like had two different runners that banked in, had another one that went halfway down and out. Like it was just, it was the full repertoire on display today. And the, and the best thing I can say about him, Alex, like even, even as I'm sitting here saying that the Rockets suck, like that's still an NBA team. And he, this looked like he was playing against middle school kids. Like it, it felt like if he had played the full game, he could have scored 60 tonight if he'd wanted to. Yeah, it really did. I mean, you know, if it, it, he possibly could have, if he had had to play the amount of minutes that he played against the Celtics, for example. Um, yeah, it was, I I'm with you. I, I don't think that the, the level of opponent necessarily takes away from it at all for me. Although I, I do agree with you, like certain stuff, especially for quickly, more so than the other players, just seemed to seem like they were just willing to concede pretty much whatever to quick, which is weird because he's not the guy that you want to get in a rhythm early. Like you want to kind of bother him early and be in his space early and try to throw him off his game. So I don't I don't totally get the strategy. That said, like warm up jumpers or not, like he gets a lot of open threes that he doesn't necessarily make and he made them in this game. So, I mean, I'm cool with it. Like, and honestly, they sort of needed that from him. Like I'll, I'll get to it a little later, maybe a little more in depth in the show, but like this game was slightly worrisome to me, at least through the first like two, two and a half quarters where things were just a little too close for comfort against a team that really truly, Apologies to our buddy Jackson Gatlin of Lockdown Rockets. This team stinks, man. They're bad. Like they are real bad. Hard to watch bad. Like they have no no like real offense. It's basically just like KPJ and and Jalen Green like taking turns ISOing and like it it's not a good team. And like their defense obviously stinks. So uh, like the fact that the Knicks were only ahead by like a handful of points. Uh, up until they exploded in the third quarter, like was a little concerning. And so they kind of needed quick to do what he was doing um, to just kind of keep them afloat. So in that regard, I, I, I think I'm, I don't know. I think I just kind of talked myself out of this being his best game now, definitely his best statistical game. But like, I, yeah. I think I'm kind of with you, like the Boston game was a little more high stakes and he did get kind of gift wrapped some stuff in this one, but I still loved it from him. like every time that he goes out there and he hits shots, and gets himself in a rhythm, it's a huge win to me because that's like the biggest thing for him. And once he starts learning to harness that like all the time, he's he's gonna be nonsensically good. Although actually our buddy Dallas Amico, if we're speaking of good tweets, also had a good tweet too that that shows just how good he's been in starts this year. Uh IQ has averaged 21, 5 and 5 and one steal on about 60% true shooting. Wow. In 17 starts this year. And yeah. that's and and Dallas noted that's with two really bad starts after the Boston game, um, so that's pretty crazy stuff. Twenty one five five on on sixty true shooting is crazy. Yeah, stuff. I think was wasn't it? I mean, coming into tonight, it was like nineteen. Like he he really, he literally added two points to it in one game. So that that gives you an idea of what he did tonight. Um, but we're going to talk about the game from a broader perspective, and and I want to get into Julius Randle and RJ Barrett because those two both had great games as well. But before. Um, I do that. I have to tell you all about our friends over at Price Picks. Um, when the Knicks play again on Wednesday night, uh, I'm going to take Emmanuel quickly, even if Jalen Brunson is back, to keep on cooking over 17 and a half points. Um, I'm going to take Mitchell Robinson over eight and a half rebounds. It's just been a while since he's had a big rebounding game. And I'm going to take uh, RJ Barrett. Uh, 
under four and a half assists. I'm, I'm sorry, RJ. So how does it work? Pick two to six players, and if they go score more or less than their prize picks projection, you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry, no competing against other people. So, you know, those weirdos in their parents' basements that are, are just uh, disproportionately uh, good at math. Um, you don't you don't have to worry about those guys because it's just you against the projections available. PrizePix offers projections at any sport you could watch. That includes the NBA, NFL, MLB, and, and some uh, slightly more obscure ones, including esports, NASCAR, tennis, MMA, boxing, disc golf, European basketball, cricket, and so much more. Entries can be made super fast in under a minute, safe and fast withdrawals, and currently operational in over 30 states and Canada. So download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up today and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, PrizePix will give you $100. If you deposit $50, PrizePix will give you $50. So don't forget to enter the promo code locked on to sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. Yeah, Alex, you you alluded to it, but this was uh, looking like I, I will say this. I never really had that feeling in my gut that the Knicks were going to lose this game. Um, and maybe that's because I missed the magic game. So I wasn't, I wasn't traumatized, but I, I didn't think they were going to lose. Um, but when it was 66, 61 at halftime, I mean, when the Rockets very quickly, like the Knicks got up, I think it was 49 to 39. And then the Rockets just immediately ripped off 10 points in a row. Um, and the offense just kind of lost its rhythm a little bit. When Isaiah Hartenstein checked out, because he was, he was throwing some dimes early in this game and Mitchell Robinson came back in. And then it just felt like Houston, like like the Knicks were just really willfully not playing defense. Like Randall had a, I mean, I hate to single him out because it was everyone, but I mean that that early third quarter blow by by Jabari Smith Jr. was one of the worst defensive possessions I've ever seen from him. And and he's he's obviously had some iffy ones over the years, like sixty six sixty one. And then to me, what what changed the tenor of this game was Mitchell Robinson had back-to-back dunks in transition. First, he he caught it to Jalen Green at the last second, swatted his shot against the rim. That led to, if you remember, Jabari Smith Jr. missing a dunk, him getting upset, and then the Knicks coming down, scoring on the other end. And, and then Mitch had an even better one um, where, where Smith was like, all right, I'm going to make up for that. I'm going to go right down the Knicks' throats, jam it in their faces. And, and Mitch literally just grabbed the ball from him like you would a little kid trying to dunk on a Nerf hoop and was like, no, 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 no. Like could, could have done them a tumble finger wag and everything um, that actually led um, to, I believe an and one on the other end and, and key to run that got the Knicks lead up to 12. The Rockets had like one more mini burst, but that was essentially it for Houston in this ball game. But Alex, I, I, I don't know. It sounds like you had kind of a similar icky feeling to me earlier in this game. Like why, why are we letting this team stick around on, on a night that felt absolutely crucial for the Knicks to, if nothing else, play with great effort. Yeah, I mean, especially because the Knicks have so many games with implications coming up, right? Like, their next three are against the Heat, who they're still trying to kind of, like, shove away in the standings. And then the Cavs, who might be their first-round opponent if they can manage to hold on to this five-seed. And then the Wizards, who are, I don't know, they're the Wizards. They're still, I guess, fighting for their lives. I don't know what their situation is at this point. But, you know, it's like I, I thought this was definitely a must win. And like this, I was saying to you before the show, like the thing that gave me a sort of weird feeling with this game is that it felt at first more akin to like the Magic game the other day or like previous season next games against these like tanking teams um, where they're they're supposed to be you know, better than this team. And yet they were just kind of like, it was almost like they were playing down to them 
in the first half, especially like it just felt like, you know, the effort was only at 50%. It's like you said, there were so many just like bad blow buys that they were just kind of like not taking the Rockets seriously. And I guess we sort of saw why in the end, you know, they just kind of saved their, their run for when they needed it in the third quarter and the fourth quarter. But it was just a little concerning to see. It just seemed like early in the game, there was a little bit of a lack of sense of urgency. Um, and I would have hoped that coming off a three game losing streak that they would be looking to have more of a sense of urgency, especially after losing to a crappy team the other day, granted not one that's quite as bad as the Rockets. I think the the magic are quite a bit more promising and better, yeah. <laughs> but they, they've been playing good basketball now for yeah. like basically three quarters of the season. They're, they're not, yeah. they're not, that's, it, it's a bad loss in the context of, of when it happened, but it's, they're not a bad team. No. Yeah. Whereas the Rockets are legitimately like, trying to do nothing but lose at this point yeah um so yeah those that, that was my only gripe you know and it's like a minor gripe because ultimately they win by what was the final line 22 22 yeah and i mean felt like they were up by a million at certain points i mean the 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 middle end of the fourth quarter was just so silly like there was just like every other possession it felt like they were like looking up to be like oh could we like throw it to obi for like basically like a 360 windmill in transition like i mean <laughs> unfortunately he didn't throw down any of those but he did get some nice alley oops and stuff i mean it was just it was very globe trottery in like the final stages of this game um yeah. which they earned by having just a dominant third quarter and to the next credit like for all the faults of the first two quarters they when it was time to clamp down like you said mitch did his thing Quick did his thing. Deuce McBride had this awesome uh, block on Shangun at one point yeah. too. Proof that wingspan matters uh, mm. more so than just height. Um, and you know they, they really help, cracked help it up. when the other guy doesn't jump to shoot. But yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah, if you if you jump and you're six two with a six nine wingspan or whatever, and the other guy is seven foot with whatever wingspan Shangun mm. has, but he doesn't jump two inch vertical. Yeah, there you go. So, yeah, it was uh, that third quarter was fantastic. So, I mean, hey, that's your saving grace, but it was just a little, uh, like I said, a, a little disconcerting for the first couple quarters there, but they got through it, which is good. That's what you want to see. Yeah. And and I thought, um, I mean, we, we can start off with Julius Randle, right? Because he was he was sort of the guy to watch coming into this game with everything that's happened. And, and I love that. Um, I mean, I, I thought it was great when he started off with the three, right? Because he, he is someone who who really like, like when things are going bad, he can't always turn it around. But when things are going well, like he can, he can really pour it on. And that's what he, he, he just seemed very, very focused tonight. And at least offensively, defensively, right there, there were some lapses, but he was like insistent on getting good shots. And like, sometimes again, like when he hits that first three, like it would have been easy for him to come out, especially against this team with the margin for error that the Knicks have from a, just a pure talent perspective and say, all right, I'm going to chuck up seven threes in the first quarter. And then after he hit that first three, he's like, all right, time to get to business. And then he went right at Shengun, like righty in and out, one-handed layup, had like a Euro and one, um, drew two, set up Emmanuel quickly, um, had another play in the second quarter that was, I mean, one of, one of my favorite plays from him in the last couple of weeks where he got the ball that was basically a live grenade with three seconds left on the shot clock. And a lot of times in that situation for Julius, that's that's almost automatic to just, to just be a step back. Um, but instead he just, again, put his head down, got to the rim, slipped it right under Usman Garuba's, like basically under his armpit to, to lay it up with the left hand. Um, he, he like knew he had a physical advantage and leveraged it tonight, which is, I, I think all we ever want from Julius. Um, and I think that was, that was pretty key when the Knicks weren't playing much defense to keeping this game in their favor. 
Yeah, and credit to him too. Like, you know, not just on the temper end, but on the the turnovers end too, which has been a problem for him at times. This game did border on sloppy a few times, and yet he only ended up with one turnover, mm-hmm. which I thought was pretty key. I mean, you you see that kind of up and down the board. The Knicks only as a team had ten turnovers in this game, which is stupid low. Uh, so they really, you know, that they took care of the ball, which they needed to do to. Uh, you know, sort of make that final run and then like Randall himself. I mean, he just kind of like uh, I, this is almost like a lunch pail game for him, you know what I mean? Like, other than the underlying narrative of what's going on with him, like getting so mad at the rest and whatever, which they brought up like a bunch of times during the broadcast because it's it's definitely still like the story right now as everybody's starting to earn their like one game technical suspensions at this point in the season. Um, so you know, he could have let that get to him and and whatever, especially against an inferior opponent if he felt he wasn't getting a call or something. And yet I thought it was good. Like I'd liked his his overall demeanor on the court and stuff, which is he's one of the only guys on the Knicks that I really like watch for that from. Um, but he seemed in control and and certainly put up a, a pretty routine, efficient scoring performance himself, uh, that was only dwarfed by the fact that Emmanuel quickly was so freaking good. Um, but yeah, there's there's some other guys I think that perform well too. I know you want to get into RJ Barrett. I thought Quentin Grimes did a great job as well. Um, and a number of other players that we want to get to uh before the end of the show here. But I do just have to quickly remind you all that today's show is brought to you by Built Bar and the Built March Madness bracket is here. We know you guys have a favorite bar puff, and now's your time to make a count. Go to builtmarchmadness.com to vote for your favorites. You guys know who I'm going to be voting for, voting for Coconut Almond, always my favorite. And if you want the Knicks to win, you'll be voting for that bar too. Support your team, support your bar or puff. I don't know. It's been mixed bag. Like I voted for Coconut Almond today and, and you know, the, the Knicks win. And then uh, voted for him last week and the Knicks lost a bunch. So I, I don't know. I, I can't fully substantiate that claim or not. But when you vote for your favorite bar or puff, you'll be entered into a drawing where 50 lucky Locked On listeners will get a free box of Built. Not only that, but Locked On one Locked On fan will get a 12-month subscription to Built to have Built's best bars of process delivered monthly straight to your door. You got to try Built. Built, the best protein bar ever. Seriously, they're so amazing, and you won't think that they are good for you. That's because Built Bars and Puffs are all high in protein, low in sugar, and covered in 100% real chocolate. So run to BuiltMarchMadness.com right now to vote for your favorite bar or puff and pick up a box while you're there. You can vote every day in March. So hop in and support your pick. All right, Gavin, we're back in to continue this discussion. One more uh, reminder of that final score, 137 to 115. The Knicks beat the Rockets in what ended up being a laugher. And uh, I'll leave it to you. We've got... Two of the uh, the young core had a pretty good game between R.J. Barrett and Quentin Grimes, or perhaps the answer is other. Who would you like to highlight next? Oh, um, I'll, I'll go with R.J. Barrett. I'll save. There's one other guy I really want to get to, but I'll I'll save him uh, because I, I thought this was this was mostly a really good game for R.J. Um, I I'm almost tempted to start with the bad, but we start with the good. Um, he he took advantage the second um, he came back in with the bench unit, Josh Christopher, who's not a guy who gets a ton of playing time um, for uh, Houston. And I hate to criticize him because he's a fellow Sun Devil, but um, not 
not the best defender, and RJ just bullied him the second he came into the game, got two straight buckets on him. Um, and then there was another play that made me really happy because the Knicks had a three-on-two. RJ was handling the ball down the middle. And Alex, if, if you remember early in the season, RJ had a tendency in those situations to, to inexplicably just try to shoot over someone right on him when there was inevitably someone wide open. And, and I, got this, I got this tight feeling in my stomach, and I was like, oh, he's going he's gonna to shoot it here. And then he didn't. He didn't shoot it. He, he got, did a Euro step, got by the first guy, second defender closes in, slips it under his arm uh, to Josh Hart for an easy lay. I was like, let's go. That's all, that's all I ever want from you, RJ. That, that is perfect. And then showed off some really nice chemistry with uh, the, the spoilers, the other guy I want to highlight. Isaiah Hartenstein uh, had a backdoor cut. It was a, a really nice find from iHeart. Um, double pump finish. Um, and, and that is like early on. I, I always say this with RJ, but I'll, I'll keep saying it. It's, it's, it's just a defining memory of like, when he first started playing for the Knicks, and I wanted to get a feel for this guy, I'm like, all right, what is he all about? He had a bunch of backdoor cuts his first couple of games in the NBA, and then it felt like for three years, like he he forgot that that was kind of a key part of his skill set. But Hartenstein has has reawakened it, and it it is glorious because it, it takes away all the difficulties for RJ, which are which are some decision making and shooting from outside. He doesn't have to do either of those things when he catches the ball in the run. All he has to do is catch and finish with strength, and he's he's good at doing that at this point. Um, and then had another one with Isaiah Hartenstein. Um, where he he gave iHeart time to rescreen, and to me that shows that he's really starting to figure out the nuances of of NBA level pick and roll basketball. Um, where where Hart screened on one side, RJ wasn't quite open yet, so he let Hart flip to the other side, got to the rim, right handed and one great play. Um, only two issues came early in the game. He had one like really bad lob to Mitch um, that led to a turnover, and he just he just predetermined his read. Um, has to be willing to shoot in that situation. Like he can't decide beforehand, and then. Had a step back three early in the shot clock, which is just a shot I never want to see him take. But overall, Alex, I thought this was um, bouncing back from again one of his one of his worst games of the season, probably his worst game post All Star break with a really good one. Yeah, I I really enjoyed RJ's game as well, and like to get back to the assists too. There was one that kind of stood out to me, which is like when I watched it again, I'm like, man, this is something really perfect for when RJ's out there that they should look to run more, which is getting him going downhill towards the hoop and then Josh Hart just sprinting in on a, on a great cut from the three point line. And that's what he did at one point in this game. And like, if you're worried at all about like RJ potentially being able to draw a foul on any given possession or like just his finishing and stuff like that, that's a great way to be like, well, he's still getting attention. Like, because he wound up getting, I think it was nine free throw attempts in this game. Yeah. Uh, Nine free throw attempts, which was, tied with quickly for the most on the Knicks in this one. And so like he could clearly get in there. He can clearly draw those free throw attempts. And so teams are starting to respect him when he gets there. So why not take advantage of that by instead of just having guys be five out, have a Josh Hart come flying in and, you know, do something with that, you know, and, and take the easy two points right there. Um, so I really like that possession. I liked RJ's vision to your point, I really like that wraparound and transition too. That was just like, how many times have we seen? Because RJ's not particularly vertical, even in transition, like him just bring it down. And then, you know, you want to talk about guys that often only get up like six inches off the ground when they're shooting a layup. Like that's RJ a lot of the time. And it's honestly, I don't hate that about his game because he's so strong and it has definitely helped him avoid injury to this point in his career pretty well. Um, but like, you know, that's how he plays. He plays pretty well below the rim and, if he's trying to go against two defenders in transition, it's just not a great idea. And instead he was like, Oh, let me flip it around to Hart, who 
then will not have a defender on him. And it's like, yeah, that's the smart play, dude. Good job. So he wound up with five assists. Um, so yeah, I, I love things from RJ in this one. Quentin Grimes too. I really enjoyed the game from him. Similarly had a, a pretty solid stat line too. 14 points, uh, nine boards, six assists from him, two steals, shot four, nine from three, uh, five of 12 overall. Uh, Gavin, I liked his, I liked his demeanor again. You know, I like how he's playing right now. And I think the most encouraging thing to me in this one was that the shots weren't falling for him at first. And it took him a while to kind of get going. And then late in the game, he was just the guy that buried the Rockets in this game. Like all of a sudden later on, it was like, hey, man, you didn't stop shooting. And now like you're getting these opportunities and you're you're like crushing these dudes like, you know, because you kind of warmed yourself up and now you're still shooting with confidence and and it's paying off later in the game when the team kind of I won't say like some of the shots he made were basically garbage time. So I won't say they like needed it, but still always good to put some distance, you know, and always good to be ready to be taking those shots late in the game. Um, but also the assist kind of similar to what I was saying. I liked with RJ, like some, you know, some of his classic kind of like put on the floor, quick decision, uh, you know, dribble drive in. There was a couple that were just quick decisions on the perimeter where he just made that extra pass real quick. I think that's what it came down to for me for him overall just the quick decisions like he's at his best when he's not letting the ball touch his hands for more than like a second or two i think and there was a lot of that in this game just a lot of him like bang 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 plays uh and i, I really like that other grimes yeah i I'm, I'm i'm with you i mean i, I noted early in the game i think his, his first shot was a, a pretty contested turnaround jumper and this sounds hypocritical because if rj took that i'd, I'd be coming on here and ripping him but the difference is i've, I've had four years of watching RJ take 20 shots a game, almost no matter what. And and for Grimes, who has, unlike RJ, proven himself to be an efficient jump shooter and, and overall a very efficient scorer. Like I just, I want to see him get him up. And like, clearly the last two games booed his confidence. The fact that, I mean, obviously look, things, things are, are different when, when Jalen Brunson is on the court to some extent, but also Grimes has to assert himself. Like that is the NBA. Like, like you're going to get spoon fed to, to some extent, if you're a shooter, particularly like, like, like let's just say he was slotted in on the bucks in grace and Allen spot. Like he would, he would have games where he got six open threes on a team like the Knicks that are, that are good, but don't have that one star who draws three guys. Like you kind of got to go get your own. Um, if, if you want to be a, a, like a minimum, like a 13, 14, 15 point scorer in this league. And again, he missed that shot, but I, I like him seeking that out and taking it because these past like 40 or 50 games, he, he just, he just would not, have taken that shot. So I love that from him. Um, I wanted to wrap up by shouting out Isaiah Hartenstein. Um, he posted up for what, I don't know, maybe Alex, you, you might have a recollection of another one or, or someone can, can comment or, or, or send a clip in if they remember, I don't remember him posting up all year um, to, to try to score. Um, and he had Tari Easton on him. It was just a size mismatch. Had a nice little um, like reverse inside pivot uh, righty lay on Easton. Um, then he had deuce on a backdoor cut. Then he had RJ on a backdoor cut. Then he had the nice ball fake to set up Grimes for a dunk. Um, and then had a really nice one where he had caught uh, Dacian Nix um, on a on a seal. And he just was very patient waiting for the ball from Josh Hart. It was a great look from Hart. Uh, put it in and won. Efficient game from him. And again, I felt like even though Mitch made a couple of great plays defensively, like the Knicks have a different kind of verve when iHeart is on the floor. And finally, and thankfully, they're leveraging his passing, and it's a beautiful thing to see, Alex. 
Yeah, I think that passing is what makes him perfect for the unit that he plays with to me. Like, he is as good as he is right now making those passes and stuff because he plays with the reserves instead of the starters. Like, Josh Hart, as I mentioned, as with, like, RJ, he's making those cuts. Like, he is, like, the cut master. Like, you know, that's, like, his thing. And, like, Deuce McBride has gotten really good at that, too. Like, clearly is taking notes from guys like Hart as far as like, oh, if I'm out on the perimeter, like always just stay, keep that little bit of vigilance and know like if the situation arises that you can cut and, you know, probably get an easy layup out of it if you catch your defender sleeping. And Hardenstein is just really good at making that pass from whichever elbow or just from the free throw line in general. Like that's just his bread and butter as far as being a good passing big man. So yeah, those are some of my favorite plays in this one. Um, and that's why I think he's been so good with that second unit. Um, he's finally two starting. You know, we're not seeing the floor spacing. But thanks to that passing, we're finally starting to see him get used a little differently than Mitch, too, which is nice. Because that's how he's most useful on offense, I think. Like, the post-up is cool. You know, like, if he gets a if he gets a mismatch or whatever – I, I wish he would go to his floater a little less if I'm being completely honest, like in the grand scheme, though he's gotten pretty good touch on it. But, um, you know, on offense, it's just like most of his utility is not him scoring the ball. We've seen so many games already this year where he's had zero points and still made a huge impact. Um, so I think if you're util utilizing him on offense, just as sort of a hub that can feed these guys on cuts and everything else, that's that's going to be the best way to to use him going forward. Um, and thankfully, uh, better late than ever. The Knicks are finally like starting to figure that out. Um, and then I don't know, I guess if I was gonna throw another guy out there, uh, Obi Toppin was a very fun garbage time superstar in this game. Uh, he had, I uh, tell me if this is annoying to you too, Gavin, or if you feel like it's happening more often. I guess I started like sort of tracking these like after I went to the game a couple weeks ago, and my wife got like all annoyed that we missed an Obi dunk because he just like completely lost the ball and like turned around without it like in his hands but i feel like just through bad passes or him just mishandling passes like we're getting robbed of a lot of ob dunks lately like or what should be pretty easy like transition dunks just based off balls flying off his hands or or him not being quite ready for a pass or a bad alley-oop or whatever i don't know I just uh you know to everybody start throwing this guy better passes because i like watching the dunks um, but regardless, even while missing a few, uh, opportunities in this one, he shoots six to 12, three of eight from three, 15 points in just under 20 minutes. So I'll take that all day. Yeah. It was weird because it started off as a bad game for him. Like to, mm -hmm. to your, to your point, um, there, I mean, even Clyde, I think remarked Tibbs was losing his mind because Deuce missed him on what should have been an easy lob. Like there is almost no one easier in the NBA to throw lobs to. Like maybe, maybe someone like Giannis, just because he could literally bump people out of the air. But man, or Mitch like, at his absolute best. Like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you should, you should never, ever. There's no excuse for missing this guy. He's such range, and it feels like he gets screwed every game. And for whatever reason, it's still like maybe, maybe it's just that teams have are finally been cued in on the scouting report and are are more on top of it, but. Or maybe it's because Obi's playing close to the rim defensively. Like this, this is something like I, I don't know, Alex. If you can enlist uh, someone who writes for the Strickland to to do an investigation on this, like him and IQ have just lost that that hail mary chemistry that was so good through their first two years and and before Mitch got hurt this year, the first twenty five games. Like I, I thought their connection to start this year was as strong as ever, 
and it really feels like for whatever reason it's it, it's dissipated a bit lately. Um, and you, you just rarely see those two connect anymore. Um, and it, that sucks because IQ, I mean, they're they're best friends, and you can see like IQ's the best. Like Deuce has had some issues with it. Josh Hart generally throws him good passes. Like Hart's kind of taken on that mantle, but feels like everyone else screws it up. So uh, I let me let me let this be my argument for for more IQ and OB glory uh, together because I'm I'm with you. I mean, he should he should be getting six points a game just off of lobs. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think that's that's all I got for this game too. Uh, I guess shout out to Josh Hart, but you know whatever he's just doing his normal crazy plus minus god stuff uh and playing good defense and whatever so nothing too too out of the ordinary for him in this game uh but other than that yeah i think we're good to to wrap this one up so thank you all for listening a big week as we as we mentioned so there's going to be games against the heat and the Cavs still to come we might with dallas free falling maybe too much uh we're gonna try to get some draft previewing in because the Knicks might have a lotto pick on their hands. Hopefully Dallas doesn't see themselves into the, the top 10 and screw that up for the Knicks. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. But plenty more good stuff to come. So, until next time, thank you all for listening. And we'll talk to you soon.